I'm delighted this morning to be joined by UConn's first Beinecke Scholar. It's Catherine Jimenez, the journalism and English major from the University of Connecticut. She is a junior. Catherine, good morning. Thanks for joining me today. And for starters, what is the Beinecke Scholarship that you've gotten? Good morning, and thank you so much for having me today. Uh, the Beinecke Scholarship was made by the Yale Library. Uh, Beinecke is the one who founded the Yale Library, actually. And the Beinecke funds juniors in college 35000 for graduate school, 5000 for applications and traveling to see graduate schools, and 30000 for their graduate education. It's not only the first recipient in the history of the University of Connecticut, but, Catherine, the only student from a New England public university to receive a Beinecke scholarship this year. Catherine, tell me about your academics and what you're focusing on as a journalism and English major. So I'm focusing on, particularly my research, is a lot about war mothers. Um, Right now, I'm writing a novel based on my mother's life in revolutionary Nicaragua which is a country in Central America, and I have to state that because not a lot of people know what Nicaragua is, um, even though we are the biggest country in Central America. Um, And so the novel just retells my mother's life, although it is fictional, it does tell a lot of her real memories. I'm still working on that right now with Professor Gina Bereca at UConn, and I'm also taking a trip to Nicaragua this summer for my BOLD scholarship, um, which is given by the Women's Network. And for that trip, for that trip, um, I will go to my country and interview war veterans and women and children who were in the war or lived through the war. And I will make a literary research paper detailing and connecting their lives to the works by Giacomo Deli, Claribel Alegria, and Daisy Zamora, who are very prominent and famous Nicaraguan writers. You mentioned you're being mentored by the Board of Trustees Distinguished Professor of English, Gina Bereca, former morning show guest here today. She's a funny lady. What are those mentoring sessions like with Gina? They're, they're really funny. Sometimes they're difficult, and they vary all the time. Um, I have to write 10 pages a week uh, for an independent study I have with her. And so after I write the 10 pages, I send them to her, and we meet every Monday and she goes line by line with me, the the draft pages that I've handed her in. And some days she absolutely loves the pages. Some days she doesn't because everybody has good and bad writing days. Um, but I think over time that independent study has really improved my writing in general. Um, and I say that everybody should take up class by Professor Barreca. Like she is an absolutely incredible professor, and she will help your writing and how to analyze novels. And she really makes me look deeper into the work that I'm doing. And last year we had the director of creative writing at UConn, Sean Forbes here. What has his role been in your project? So Professor Sean Forbes, he helps me left line by line and he helps me more look at the meaning of the work that I'm doing. So what really is the significance of the objects that I'm placing in my novel rather than just have simply having them as uh, plot devices that just help move the story forward. Um, A lot of the novel has to do with colonialism in in Central America. And so um, he really wants me to talk about the past and the things that have affected many of the characters within the novel 
and how colonialism by the Spanish Empire still affects many of the lives people are living today. And especially when people are immigrating to the United States, that, you know, colonialism never really ends. Um, so he's really helped me a lot with that. And Professor Sean Forbes is the professor that I've known the longest at UConn. And I'm actually having his class again today in a couple hours. Catherine Hemmen is UConn's first Beinecke scholar. Each scholar gets $5,000 immediately before entering graduate school and an additional $30,000 while attending graduate school. You're a junior this year, so you're looking forward to graduate school. Will that be at the University of Connecticut or somewhere else? I'd like to go somewhere else, um, somewhere definitely closer to home, um, most specifically Yale, because it's just 20 minutes right there from my house. It's an incredible institution. It has a top English program. And I've already seen some professors that I really like to work with. Um, they have strong ties to their comparative literature departments, and many of the professors focus on post-colonialism. Um, I also like NYU um, for the same reasons, although it is a little bit farther from home. Um, but Yale really is my top choice. You mentioned home. Now, that's Derby down in the Naugatuck Valley and Sonia Derby, Sheldon, and so forth. But that was not your first home. Tell me where you've been before you came to Derby. So I was born in Costa Rica, which is right around Nicaragua. And I never really lived in Costa Rica, technically. I only lived there for seven months of my life. And then my family moved back to Nicaragua because my mom is Nicaraguan. Um, my biological father, Costa Rican, although I've never really known him. Um, and so when I was around five years old, we moved, uh, we immigrated to Miami in the United States. And I lived there until I was about <clears throat> 10 years old, um, up until, and then we moved to Derby, Connecticut. But life in Miami is really different from life in Connecticut. There was very much of a culture shock because I, I just had never been around so many people that didn't speak Spanish. Um, for most of my life, I, I've spoken Spanish. Uh, my parents don't really know English, so I still speak Spanish at home. It is still my primary language. It is my first language. Um, and I, I do miss Miami sometimes just because there is a large Nicaraguan population. And it does feel like home, which to me, home and my country is still Nicaragua. Um, that's, you know, that's my country. That's my place that I love so much. And that's the place I hope to return one day when I'm older. Um, but Connecticut is just really different because... There's no palm trees. It's mostly towns. There's not much of a city anywhere. Um, and people are really kept to themselves here in Connecticut, whereas in Miami, it's the complete opposite. You see everybody everywhere. Now, you don't get snow in Miami either. Well, your English is tremendous. You obviously write it very well also. When you were living in Derby, what was it about the University of Connecticut and the English and journalism programs in particular that made you decide you wanted to attend the University of Connecticut? Uh, the creative writing program is definitely what made me want to come to Connecticut, and I'm really happy to UConn, and I'm really happy that I did. Um, I'm really happy that I chose to stay here at UConn. Um, it's also the university that was closest to home. You know, it's a top institution. It has an amazing creative writing program. Um, and I would say that probably when I was looking at universities, and especially at UConn, I was looking right at the faculty and seeing who t teaches here and why they teach here and what they teach here. And I've had the opportunity to take a lot of amazing professors um, who, you know, I saw back in my high school days. You're also a freelance social media manager at WNPR. What does your role there mean? 
So at WNPR, also known as Connecticut Public Radio by some, um, it, I write copy, I edit videos, I make graphics for social media pages that include Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And on the occasion, we've tried Pinterest. Although <laughs> that's, you know, that's still in the works. Um, so WNPR has been a really interesting experience. Um, I work in a team. Um, my boss is Sabrina Herrera, who's absolutely amazing. I love her. The best boss I've had in the world. Um, and so, yeah, we make a lot of graphics, a lot of videos, a lot of copy. I haven't had time to make a lot of videos right now because I'm really busy with my 10 pages every week with Professor Gina Barreca. Um, but a lot of the videos I get from uh, the reporters who they film when they're on the scene or videographers, and then I just stitch them together for our social media platforms. With technology these days, can you do that remotely or do you have to actually go into the WNPR offices? Um, I think it varies for a lot of our team. For me, just because I am in college, a lot of my work is done remotely. So like right here in my room with my laptop, I have hundreds and hundreds of files that are used for kind of a look. When did you first develop a love for writing? I hear that you first started writing a fantasy novel during middle school. Is that when it really took off for you? Yes. Um, it was really middle school, and I didn't notice that so much until later. If I'm speaking honestly, I think it began around sixth grade, because I before I wanted to be a writer, I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be an animator for a long time, because I really love cartoons. And I would draw all these silly little things in my sketchbook. Um, but I never noticed until I was older that I would create background stories for a lot of these characters that I drew in my sketchbook. And in the eighth grade, I began writing a fantasy novel, which is really the reason why I want, I want to be a writer so much, because like this is the novel that I'm still working on today when I'm not working on my mother's novel. It is the novel that I want to publish in the future. And it's been rewritten so many times because because it's so important to me. And I really want it to be perfect. Um, but, it, yes, it really did begin in middle school because I would make up a lot of different stories for a lot of different characters, mostly or fantasy stories. Um, but fantasy stories are the things that I love to read. And a lot of it is what I still read today. And this novel that you're working on now is based on your mother's upbringing in Nicaragua during the Sandinista Revolution for your university scholar project. Tell me about the Sandinista Revolution and how it overthrew the Somoza dictatorship. So I like to say that the Sandinista Revolution technically began around the 1930s, 1940s, after uh, Augusto Sandino um, drew out a lot of the U.S. Navy and the U.S. military out of Nicaragua. Um, and it really has to do with American imperialism in my country and the Panama Canal, and the history is very complex, <laughs> and it has a lot of different components to it. But what most people regard the Sandinista Revolution is the revolution of the 60s, the 90s. Um, it didn't end till the 90s, until the election of Chamorro, who was a U.S.-backed um, president-elected uh, female president in Nicaragua. Um so the Sandinista Revolution was really getting out a lot of these Americans and U.S. imperialists out of the country um, because at the time there was a lot of poverty and you know Nicaragua was a fascist country technically and was U it was a U.S. backed fascism. 
Um, and so there was a lot of rampant poverty throughout all of Latin America. The education level was very low. A lot of people didn't know how to read or write. My great-grandmother never learned how to read or write, um, and she died that way. You know, she never learned how to read or write anything except her name, and she could only read certain words from the Bible. Um, and so uh, women were raped in plantations. There were, you know, women couldn't own property neither. So the Sunday's Revolution was really, there's, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's too similar to the Cuban uh, Revolution, but it was really just about getting a lot of U.S. imperialism out of the country and bringing it back to the people. And it really did achieve that by the 2000s and when, at the time when the Sunday's was won during the Contra War of the 80s. So when you visit Nicaragua this summer, you will be focusing on female narratives that we see in women's and Latino American literature. Who are the people that you'll be trying to connect with on that trip? So most of the people I'll be interviewing are extended family members because I have a lot of uh, war veterans in my family um, who participated in the war, um, particularly in the Sandinista side. Um, And so I'll be interviewing them and their friends but a lot of the focus will also be given on women who were not a part of the war, but did live through it, and people who were children during the war effort, so people like my mom, um, who grew up during that era, but they didn't really participate, because they really, you know, I don't think a lot of attention is given to our female narratives when it comes to war experience or war trauma, um, because a lot of things are passed through our mothers, and you know, a lot of war trauma is then passed down to our children that we don't really recognize as much. Um, because at that time, my great, not my great grandmother, my grandmother abandoned my mom and her siblings in the country to refuge, to become a refugee in the United States. And my mom grew up in the country without a lot of parental supervision. Um, she really didn't have any real parents besides my great grandmother who still fed her food from time to time out of her own plate. Um, So I just want to give a lot of attention to those female narratives and how women were impacted by the poverty and the death. And Catherine, do you have a target date for when this novel will be completed? And then when it's completed, how will it be used? Might it be used as a scholarly project for other English classes and journalism classes? I have a novel completion date for spring 2024, just because I am also a university scholar at UConn, and I proposed this project as my university scholar project, and I have to complete it by spring 2024. I feel like that's just something I have to do. Um, after that, I do want to get it published, um, and not so much in a scholar paper or anything, but actually as you know, in book format, novel format, and you know, hopefully one day it's taught in other classrooms. Um, but as of right now, I don't see it forming a big part of people's, how do I say this, um, education, just because it's not really published. As for mine, a lot of my my research has already focused on my mother. Before I was a university scholar and before I got the Beinecke, I was a bold scholar at UConn, which is another scholarship program. And for that one, I actually originally proposed the novel, but I had to change my project because I have to complete it by the end of the summer. And that's why I proposed this more literary research paper, journalistic um, piece that I'll be doing. 
So just in general, a lot of my research has always focused a lot on Latin America, although in the future I would like to focus it a little bit away from it and do other countries like the Spanish Civil War, uh, but still focus on American imperialism. Well, it's a challenging project and a very interesting project, and congratulations on becoming UConn's first Beinecke Scholar and the only student from a New England public university to receive that Beinecke Scholarship this year. Catherine, thanks for joining me this morning. Interesting information today. Thank you. That's Catherine Jimenez from the University of Connecticut, a junior journalism and English major who's come to the University of Connecticut from Derby after being raised in Nicaragua and living in Miami. On 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.